Season 3, match day 6. It's Ulster, William. We always have trouble with these guys. Yeah, they have a phenomenal record here. They have an excruciatingly good record in Belfast. Place they seem to thrive on and play well. Big game, first Interpro of the season. Uh, big opportunity for both sides there. But they are coming here 5, five out of 5. And we're not, so they must be favourites. But I expect us to give a good account of ourselves this evening. Ulster bench looks uh, quite weak, quite young. So there's, there's a lot to play for here. Four points in this game would mean more to us than it will to Ulster yeah certainly the average age of their starting team is 28.9 but their bench is only 23 so yeah they, I think they're going to try and win it in the first 60 minutes and then hang on near the end well, we've got a perfect night for it there's very little wind it's, it's a beautiful evening should be a game should be a cracking game well there's no excuse in the conditions it's absolutely a magnificent evening so place is really filling up now I think it's very very close to a sellout again so um, yeah let's see if we can get the job done indeed we'll talk again in 20 minutes Okay, William, it's 21 minutes. The score is 7-3 to Connacht. Great score from Jack Carty. It's uh, getting lively now. It's getting very lively. It's lively on the pitch. It's lively in the clan. It's typical derby. It's the, the, the narrative is just blood and thunder and a lot of penalties, a lot of errors. Connacht trying to speed the game up at every opportunity. And uh, they're just starting to get their game away a little bit. Ulster still look very dangerous when they get the ball in hand. But uh, first 20 minutes here, you'll take it. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. We talk again at halftime. Okay, William. This is some game of rugby. 60 minutes. The score is 30 points to Connacht, 22 to Ulster. This is incredible. Pulsating stuff. It's been played at 100 miles an hour. Connacht's terrible start to the second half. But they've kept playing and uh, they got themselves back in the lead. It's a very hard one to call, but uh, I think we've got the bit back between our teeth now. It's been some scintillating play, passing and the interplay and the, the confidence and everything happening at speed. Yeah, incredible stuff. We'll talk again at full time. William, what a game. 30 points to 25, Connacht win in the end. First time we've beaten them in, uh, since 2012. First time we've ever had a bonus point try against them, either winning or losing. That's a huge statement from Connacht. Yeah, it's a big statement because they, they stuck to their plan, they stuck to their game plan. They got badly knocked about at the beginning of the second half. Ulster scored two tries very quickly, but they stuck at it. And it's worth more than the five points because I think it's part of the process of, of getting back to what they were doing last season great effort fabulous game of rugby played at high speed sometimes the skill levels dropped away a little bit the odd pass dropped here and there but you couldn't argue with that it was absolutely superb entertainment and it's uh, further it's, it's a, it gets us going again further into this season uh, we, I wouldn't it, it, it'll mean more to us they came here 5 out of 5 uh, but they're now 5 out of 6 we're now 2 out of 5 so yeah excellent stuff it certainly is we'll chat with the lads later on there's nothing else to say now I need to get a drink post game section of the podcast that was a cracker of a game we'll start with Nigel best game of the season in any league I'd say 
Straight up. What a game of rugby. Like, kind of to the bonus point by the 56 minute, I think. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Great passing. Back to last year's, uh, last year's gameplay. Andrew Brown in for Ellie Muldowney, it looked like. And I think we showed how much we missed Jake Keenan. Yes, Jake Keenan is back, William Davis. Yeah, he certainly is. And uh, the whole team had a, a much better uh, sort of drive and accuracy about them this evening. Uh, as you say, a bonus point by the 56th minute. But normally when that happens, you think, well, OK, <laughs> good stuff. But not a lot else has happened. But by 56 minutes, you, there was more that happened than might happen in four matches, um, including uh, uh, the, a sin-binned player getting back on to play immediately after half time who just ran out and got away with it for a little while then went off and had to sit on the bench laughing you, his head off I'm kind of wondering to myself if at some point early on he started to think to himself maybe I shouldn't be out here but what do you do <laughs> you just keep going you, you just you just keep going and hope that, <laughs> that nobody spots it um, great game uh, really entertaining which is sometimes lost in when we get results you know because People just say, "Oh yeah, you got to, you got to win," but that was a really good game of rugby. People who've, who were here tonight, maybe and there will be people here tonight for the first time, will think, "God, that was really good." Mm-hmm. No, the next time they turn up, it mightn't be quite as good, but that's the joy of sport. Yeah, it was cracking rugby, Lindy and Lindy McKenzie. Welcome along to the podcast. But not only was it a cracking game of rugby, it's also five more points, ten points in two games. This is better. Well, it is, isn't it? Amazing. Like after the poor start we've had to come back and to get five points last week and particularly over Ulster I think it's a that's a really impressive win now against Ulster given that we haven't beaten them since 2012 I think it's not just a it's not just a physical thing in fact that you know they're, they're actually starting to gel and play together I think it's also a mental thing that particularly last week that has given them a huge confidence and when you've got young players like you know Ken Keller who's, who's come in and you know man of the match tonight performance and a lot of these young players have come in Craig Ronaldson take a hat off to him as Pat Lamb said he was supposed to be playing for Galwegians tomorrow for 40 minutes but had to come in at the last minute to play so you know take your hat off to those lads who you know who have who have come in tonight and you know have done a superb job yeah Connor Carey beautiful turnover in the early stages and the great penalty just for one example Caelan Blade excellent performance from him at nine maybe bring Alan in on that one yeah just to go back to the bonus point it's the first time we've ever scored a bonus point against them ever and as, as, as I said when we scored the third try one of the guys I said we've never lost to them when we scored three tries and the Mayo fan goes around you can't say that don't be putting a hex on us and I thought well I'm not from Mayo Jesus move on <laughs> yes I think we should move on from that actually we've all we're Mayo'd out I'm afraid Mayo sorry about that just so happens I'm not editing this week but I'm still fucking cutting this out is. Yeah, man, man is. This is gone. It's okay. Don't worry. It'll be absolutely. Um, it will be. It'll be the weirdest pre-game session because it'll just contain William apparently talking to nobody in particular. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, can someone pick up my Kalen Blade oh, point? Yeah, yeah. No, you're. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, yeah. So he, he he started a bit rustily, but as the game went on and they got they got confidence, he started to really ping the ball out. Had a little bit of trouble digging the ball out at times when they were sort of lying on the ball and putting their feet in places that shouldn't have been doing. But yeah, as the game went on, he got a lot better and and grew in confidence as did the rest of the team yeah it's just I can't pick out any poor performances I'm fairly happy with the entire kind of sense that despite six players missing and a seventh if you count Owen McCone after two minutes Connick j- just kicked on yeah they did yeah um, no Blade was excellent uh, he tied in their defenders their rook mm. defenders and stuff for, uh, crabbed along for a good while but so right did Jack. yeah yeah no in fairness in fairness he did um, 
But yeah, back back to Jack Keenan though for me. Yeah. Yeah, so we've we've been underpowered, like he's taken it he took in ball there, one one an awful lot of collisions like. I think maybe the Ulster pack are a little bit soft, but um he was very good. He was very good. We really needed him back. I think you have to take your hat off as well to Dave Heffernan. First game yeah. of all, all season. Coming to take over from Tom McCarthy. You know, Dave probably doesn't get a lot of credit. He probably doesn't get a lot of game time. Most of it is off the bench. And to come in and, and play the, like the way he did tonight. And I think it's interesting that he was actually the, the, the player in the press conference. And he was talking about the fact that using some of those skills because he used to be a back row player. And I think you could see that out there tonight. And it is one of his strengths. Here's Dave Heffernan in the press conference. All right, Dave, we've just been talking to Pat there just about the type of game it was and the type of performance you've put in. It's going to go down very well with the supporters and everyone else. It's a huge win for Connacht. Yeah, it was definitely a massive win. Um, I think we needed that one, but... uh yeah, it was pretty. I'd say it was a good game for the supporters, alright, but it was uh, pretty hectic out there and pretty intense. Uh, we nearly threw the, threw the way a few times, um, but yeah, thankfully, thankfully did the job and we got the win, which is the most important thing today. You must have known it was coming that second half fight back from Ulster, but you couldn't have imagined they were going to get back that quick. Uh, no, we didn't. We we talked at half time about the importance of the next ten minutes, so that was, that was pretty disappointing to concede two tries in about two minutes. But uh, I think we we kept pretty cool heads after that, and. Um, yeah, we just try to get back into our game. Same system, same process as we always do. And, uh, yeah, we clawed our way back into it and, and got ahead again, thankfully. Um, yeah, it was a great kick by Jack there. Um, that gave us a bit of breathing space, and I think that made a huge difference for us. How much of tonight was about the start you had and just starting to believe in yourselves or about what you did last week and, and the way you went down on the field in terms of your attitude? Yeah, I think, I think the belief was always there. I mean, we knew we didn't turn into a bad team overnight after the first three games. Um, and at the same time this doesn't mean we're, we're a great team again now but uh, we, we're just going to go back to the same process we use every week um, there's a lot of mistakes out there there's a lot of, like, a lot of people are going to be not looking forward to coming in on Monday with the video review I can imagine but uh, uh, luckily at least we won and uh, it was a massive win because obviously they're the only team I think that beat us twice last year if he spends a bit of time on the tries there's some good moments doing that yeah no there's good moments there's <laughs> good moments but uh, yeah I'd say there's some, some, a few things we won't want to look back on for yourself you know last season you probably more than anyone had a lot of impact from the bench getting a start getting a chance to make that impact that must be something that you're very happy about yeah um, yeah I was delighted to get the start of first of the season there obviously so uh, I was pretty nervous this week but um, yeah I was just delighted to be given the opportunity and um, hopefully I'll get the opportunity again next week now against Toulouse which is another massive massive game for us you're becoming noted for your play you know in open play and getting away from the rook and, and you're able to beat defenders and stuff uh, do you do you know this is a key part of your game that's going to get you on the front foot do you use it um, yeah it's something I've been working on uh, do a lot of stuff with Dave Ellis on um, evasion expression footwork all that kind of stuff so uh, yeah as a, like I, I was a back row before so I, I know that I need to bring that kind of uh, that kind of stuff to my game so uh, yeah, look, it went well tonight. Some of the, some of the time um, hasn't gone too well previously before. So look, I, I need to keep working on it. Because finally, this is a huge period of games for Connacht. Obviously, two big wins and now to lose to come. Yeah, it's massive. Um, really, really looking forward to it. I haven't played in the Champions Cup before, so um, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be a massive couple of weeks for us. <laughs> He's talking about reviews on Monday and lots of mistakes. That's a strange aspect of this game. Connick probably did make lots of mistakes in a bonus point win over Ulster. Yeah, they did. Um, they played. They played a very high speed, and there's a lot of passing involved, and there's a lot of small interactions on the pitch. So mistakes are going to happen. 
and we still haven't quite got back to the level that we had last year but when that's that level was so good that it's it's almost inevitable that getting back to that is going to take a little bit of time they were better tonight because I thought there was just there was more drive and there was a bit more ambition it wasn't just going over and back they were actually really pushing forward but analysis is now part of of all sports and uh, I suspect on Monday they start with um, part of the it's part of the process and as Lindley says yeah. as Lindley says because that's that's what you do you analyse what the opposition is going to do you analyse and you, you look at the good things and the bad things um, sometimes you feel with Connick that there isn't a lot of whiteboard rugby it's it's it seems to be it's obviously planned but a lot of it is maybe just confidence and off the cuff Ulster looked to have a couple of set moves that they tried to like get away try, yeah. and the try was definite because they changed the line out call they had a big chat we were screaming at them on the clan here to get on with it and um they did get on with it and it, and, it, and it worked it was straight off the training ground bang um, but a couple of other times they tried stuff again and it didn't work so I suppose that's just part of the game I want to bring Dave in here but we're going to pause okay so before we get to the post game press conference part from Pat Lamb Les Kiss spoke as well we won't listen to any audio from him but Dave you wanted to talk about that first of yeah I mean he basically pins it on one call and that's the Paddy Jackson missing the kick down the line um, it was a huge turning point it swung the momentum they hit the penalty we get the scrum and we then go on it actually is the ultimate catalyst for what leads to our final try but I think Les Kiss will have to I mean he was very honest said the players were very honest they held their hands up and that they didn't feel they were but I think Les Kiss made a huge error right. in, his substitu- in his substitutes and they have a huge issues at centre yeah. and they have been losing centres game in game out they lost Olding McCluskey uh, Luke Marshall is out again and he loses Darren Cave at half time and what does he have to do he has to bring on Rob Little now Rob Little is a fantastic young player very he good he's a winger but have to, you then have to move your full back into centre and your winger into he then you, yeah you couldn't predict he was going to lose Louis Ludic but then he has to bring in an out half and he has sent Jacob Stockdale to play for their A team against Leinster tomorrow I think that's a bad call I think Stockdale is something else I think he's a better player he's more advanced than, than Little is today and I think he would have slotted into centre they would have kept playing at full back and I could see to a certain degree their defensive shape went it didn't affect them when they had the ball but when they didn't have the ball they were defensively all over the place I think Les Kiss will have to put his hands up and said I should have had a centre on the bench and he could have had one in Stockdale instead he's playing in the Leinster A game tomorrow and it makes no sense but I don't care because it's a, it's nice to see other coaches get their tactical calls wrong alright one man who got his tactical calls mostly right over the last couple of weeks Lindley and what we liked about us, uh, Edinburgh last week in terms of the performance was the adoration to sticking to the to running out of your 22 keeping the ball in hand it's like Pat has kind of made a real message to them that let's get back to what we do best he must be very proud of, of what they've achieved from that despite all the errors over the last two weeks well, just going back very briefly to what Les Kiss said uh, when he was he, he, he gave when he was talking about some of the the option to uh, instead of taking the kick for goal, which would have narrowed the gap to two points, mm-hmm. to go down the line, and he said that he wouldn't. It was up to, to the players entirely. He wouldn't. And, and this is when it was thirty points to twenty five with eight Correct. minutes to go, and it could have been a two point game. Correct. But he also did say it was up to the players. He would never dispute what the players' decision. But he said, had they not been, had they not been um, stopped for crossing, then it would have worked. So how could he say it was the wrong yeah. decision? And in the same way, in the same way that I think um, Connett and Pat Lamb, Connett has 
Pat Lamb has given the players yes. their heads as well. Yes. You know, they they're old you know, they're 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 experienced at the stage and as I think uh, was it Dave Heffernan was saying that, you know, Bundy Aki and John Muldoon and Andrew Brown gave them all a good talking to behind the post to settle them all down. At twenty two all when they conceded fourteen points, yeah. And I think that is that is the process that they have gained from, you know, um Pat Lamb. Everyone playing the process drinking game has just taken another slug. Let's uh hey, if you're playing that game, just prepare yourselves because we're about to hear from Pat Lamb. <laughs> start with that was one of the more spectacular games we've had at sports ground we've had a few in the last 12 months yeah i said the build-up will be a good game because i saw i saw the weather forecasts and i know you know that these guys are on fire and um but as i said to the boys let's go and play you know and uh, I mean, we know we didn't get a few things right and um we put pressure on ourselves but um as i've been saying all week and all season you know i'm watching these guys do the work and um they're getting better every day and and our performances are getting better every day and uh, got off to a great start but you know obviously we let them in after half time and um, but uh, the character I think the thing I'm most pleased about is such a horrendous week and disruptions you know we had obviously guys missing at, at camp and then we named the team on Monday and that team completely changed and then um, and then, the, then we had training on Wednesday but we had to put that back to the evening until I came in and Mole came back from Dublin and and uh, more guys dropped out, and then more guys dropped out in the um, in the uh, captain's run. So, but as I said to the boys, we have our system plus what breathes, what brings the life is the culture, and the um, you know what we're about. And um, some guys still didn't quite have their jobs right, or but what carried us through was there was the culture and the uh, um, and the belief. Oster were really rattled by the tries. Getting one early set the tone, but those two quick tries, massive moment in the game in the first half. Yeah, it was. I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we wanted to attack. We knew, you know, we, we don't want to defend for long periods. I mean, you can see what, what happened, and, and, and that came off our errors. But we wanted to, you know, we want to use the ball. And when, when you have a day like this, I mean, as I said, the first few games, we, you know, I go back to Glasgow and we, we used the ball, but then we. Uh, we were struggling in defence and that's an area we worked on particularly our transition day and, um, and that's getting better because we're working harder into shape you know and that's the things we work out into defence harder into shape and attack and all of the things that weren't quite right and I keep like this week I showed them clips from um, our game last year against Ulster and how we put them under pressure and that all came back from getting, getting into position early so uh, it was good come back in the second half too from Ulster hitting hard I mean that's happened last season I remember against the Scarlets they started the second half well and if you even go back to the start of the game against Munster last year why does this Connacht team react so well to a body blow like 14 points in 5 minutes yeah I know when it was all happened it was 22-0 and all that and I think it's because we understand what we need to do and we went through all of this last year and you don't get back into the game by trying to make things happen you just get back into the game by going back to our roles and our jobs and, um, and just getting hold of the ball and we knew if we could get hold of the ball and um, then uh, we could put some pressure back onto them and just stick with our stick with the job, stick with the systems, um, and then we'll, we'll be we'll be fine. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's been a massive improvement is our defence. Um, you know, I know that sounds funny when they come back, but generally a reaction to, to D because when you when you attack a lot and you turn the ball over, there's going to be some high scoring games. I'm sure the fans enjoyed it. Uh, wasn't happy with the, you know being five points for my own heart. There was no need for that, uh, and because uh, we should have been comfortable at the end. 
I have to ask you, compared to last year, fixture on fixture, Connacht are only four points down on where they would have been last year. That's kind of hard to believe considering the start they've had. Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually looking at that. I'm just looking at the performance. And, you know, we had five and we did the same thing last year. We had, uh, when we lost four on the trot and everyone thought we were gone, we came back with five games, four bonus point wins and a win. And, and we, we, John Muldoon reflected on that to the boys and talked about it and how we did that. And we're just following the same process. Don't get hooked up with people outside what they're saying. Get focused on our jobs and do the work. And I think I'm really pleased. Everything we work at training, I can cut the training and say, right, this didn't work well against Edinburgh. Let's work on this. And, geez, I saw the improvement. And it's the same every game. So we're... We're improving, and but to beat that group, I mean, oh, it's a monkey off my back. I've now beaten all the 11 teams, and I'm pleased about that. And now, um, you know, that gives us belief that we can beat anybody now, you know. And um, and now, yeah, we're going to obviously, uh, what are we? We've only had four, four games? Five. What have we had? Five? We've had five. So we've got uh, a few to go, but it's a great build-up till next week. I mean, we've got Toulouse coming here now. And uh, we're excited by that, and that's going to give us a lot of confidence. My biggest worry is, is obviously the injuries and the niggles, but um, uh, I worry about that because I want the depth. I want to be able to say which one shall I pick, rather than you know we losing our depth. So, um, but we'll we'll get back and see what happens this weekend. And, and uh, I can't wait for Champions Cup rugby. Everything we did last year was about getting into Champions Cup. Now we need to perform. <laughs> Either, either way, somebody Rob doesn't know. Still, still, <laughs> still. Though, still if you're going to have cr- a slam on Rob, don't get Rob. He's still crooning. <laughs> Rob or Johnny Holiday? Johnny Holiday. <laughs> well, I'm crooning you. Okay, no one knows what this is about, so let's move on. Um, Ash McGinty, ironically enough, missed touch last year in a key game against Ulster, and it's gone the other way this time for Paddy Jackson. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know why I'm saying that because no one talked about that. But anyways, Shane O'Leary missed touch as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Criminal, criminal, criminal missed a touch at the end. Well, Bundyaki kicked the ball away. He knew that was criminal as well. Like, I mean, the one time we decided to kick the ball was when we were on their twenty-two. He knew that was wrong. So we, we, we actually nearly, if they had been up at fifteen men, we could have been. In real trouble with the way we coughed up the ball a couple of times near the end yeah but they weren't but it, we, we, got, we did get a bit twitchy and I think that's something that comes from not when you have if you've, if you've won four or five games in a row you, you get less twitchy but it got a little bit at the end but what I liked about it was that people took a little bit of responsibility even if they made a mistake which a couple of players did there was nobody hiding everybody was looking to do their stuff and uh, it's a huge win I, I, I said in the preamble which you'll have already heard that this this four points here would mean more to Connacht than it would to Ulster because I, I think that really means a huge amount from where we were a couple of weeks ago yeah and five you know here's a stat that's uh, if you match game for game Connacht this year compared to Connacht last year exact same fixtures we're only four points down on where we were last year now thanks to the uh, four point gain on this fixture that is good Five points off the game, but four points on last year's. All right, I want to move on to Toulouse, but before we do that, to set up Europe, William, self, yourself, and Alan were in Dublin. I wasn't doing any real work. You two were doing loads of work. Uh, you were chatting to a few different people. Talking about something new, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't get that, Alan said, "Geez, it's new, really." <laughs> no, he said, "Talk about something new." Um, yeah, we were. It was, a, it was an enjoyable uh, enough setup. Uh, introducing some of the teams taking part in Europe they break it up into different pods uh, I had a chat with Simon Halliday who's chairman of uh, EPCR uh, it was a slick presentation and uh, explained themselves pretty well
I'm with Simon Halliday here, who's the chairman of EPCR. Simon, you're very welcome along to Galway Bay FM. I was interested in your uh, pre-discussions there when you were introducing the uh, event today. I'd like to start with the referees meeting. Is that the first time that that's ever occurred, that the referees for, for the competition have all been put in the one room together? Uh, to my knowledge, which may seem a bit surprising, but um, I think it was an effort to um, get a meeting of minds and to establish, obviously, a new referee manager, Joel Zhu, who's highly experienced in the world of refereeing. And um, it was fascinating to hear what people had to say I think he was trying to encourage a consistency and, and an acknowledgement that in this tournament, which is very tribal um, across countries, across regions, um, to referee sympathetically, to be firm, um, to make good decisions, good rugby decisions, um, not spend all day listening to the TMO uh, and, and try and get momentum into the tournament is what everybody wants. And, you know, having sympathetic refereeing is very important. Is the, is the language barrier maybe with English-speaking referee dealing with French teams or French referee dealing with English-speaking teams, is, is that something that can be worked on or is that just something that, that everybody has to accept and deal with? Uh, you know, the, the word, I use the word consistency. I think it's, uh, there are different interpretations whichever country you, um, uh, you consider and, you know, every domestic league has its own way of doing things. And what we're trying to do is marry the best of all of that um, and acknowledge the, the unique nature of the tournaments that we manage. And that's all the way down to the qualifying tournaments um, where you've got new countries building their own position. So all referees, I think, also needed to hear what the vision of EPCR is and what we stand for and what we're trying to achieve because they're so important. And if we can get them understanding it, they'll referee with that in mind. And I, and I think we're all part of the same product here. So we can't have referees not understanding what we're about. Turning then to uh, player welfare, you had a, an, an announcement on that, and maybe you could enlighten us further as to, is that a separate from what the home bodies and other rugby organisations are doing? Is this, is this a separate step? Uh, there's no, uh, I mean, no one is obviously going to criticise anyone for having player welfare at, at the top of their agenda. I think as an ex-player myself, uh, we would be careful not to pay lip service to the concept of player welfare and that expresses itself in what the season looks like what pressure you put under players I've been asked about what I think of, of um, the Saracens Toulon happening the week after a major international where three quarters of the Saracens team maybe literally a few days following on they've got to go and prepare for a, a quasi-international game you know, you've got to think about how we space this, the season out so that's really important um, player welfare in terms of understanding how injuries occur and how to manage them um, we're not going to reinvent the wheel but there's, there's one thing uh, dealing with statistics and, and bodies I mean even my era of players been asked you know what do you think about concussion did you get concussion and this sort of thing it's a game of intense physicality now we have in my opinion to manage tournaments and have games where uh, you minimise the potential damage and, and whether that's in uh, tackle laws, um, laws of clearing out, which I, you know, I've got a particular issue with, I have to say, uh, or whether it's with the management of concussion. And But prevention is, is the word. And I think we as tournament organisers have a responsibility to the players to make sure that we combine the best of what we know to make certain that in our high-profile games, and they are extremely intense games, we don't just sit there asleep at the wheel 
uh, when there are important matters to deal with. So we want to have a group that can take the best that there is domestically and internationally and apply them to our competitions. Having been in Krasnorsk last year for the uh, Connick match, which was uh, an amazing trip, um, this new competition, how will that work? Um, and is, th- is that something that you feel is the best way to bring forward rugby in countries where it's played, but are still one rung below probably what we're experiencing here? Yes, it, it's, a, it's a tough one because uh, you, you know, our specific mandate is to manage tournaments. You know, obviously, you know, we're not world rugby uh, with a mandate to grow rugby into countries, etc. But um, it's obviously happening around us, so we need to manage its development. And take Spain, for example, uh, who have a team in the tournament. Um, their sevens team got into the Olympics at the expense of Samoa. I mean, how could anybody have imagined that? The top 14 in Barcelona that attracted nearly 100,000 supporters in a football stadium in Spain. I mean, that's just one example. The two Russian teams are, you know, the, the two best teams in emerging Europe. Uh, that's pretty clear. NSA had two victories last year against Newcastle and Brief. And when people ask, you know, what is this all about, having lost those two matches... Uh, and respected and is safe for who they are. Everyone knows they have a right to be at the table. For us, we have to manage how it works. We have to make sure it's cost-effective. Uh, we have to make sure everyone's working together on it. Again, it comes back to referees. You go to a, a distant club in, in, in Moscow, uh, you know, what are they expecting to achieve through that? So we, we've got to run with that. Um, it's challenging, but we're not going to ignore it, and it's important for us to give access to clubs around Europe um, who have ambition and you know four million people in Germany were watching the World Cup you know that German team's a good side and they perform well and so who knows in the next few years whether you're going to have a German team come into the Challenge Cup uh, I can't think of anybody who would not think that was a good development and final question uh, something that comes up uh, quite often at uh, fan forums that we hear about where is the Italian situation in qualifying for the Challenge Cup. Is, is there a concern that they can co- send a team in finishing 11th uh, in, the, in the Pro 12? Does, does that concern you that, that the standard needs to lift there a bit? I think there's two points to make uh, and perhaps we don't explain ourselves so well sometimes is that everyone signs up. Everyone's signed up to an eight-year agreement. That is that there will be a representative of each country and it's a pan-European tournament Um, to change that everyone has to agree so that's the point whichever country we're talking about so you can't just play around with you know what you would like to see or what you wouldn't like to see Um, no one wants more than me and I said this explicitly to Alfredo Gavazzi in in Rome last year to see Italy holding its own and doing more than that Obviously, uh, that well-known Irishman, Conor O'Shea, is now um, in charge of the national team. There's no man with better energy than him um, who will try and make something happen there. Mike Catt is also out there. You're already hearing today that they're starting to take interest in what's going on with the franchises. I, th- I believe Kieran Crowley, that's All Black, is also involved. So, you know, you've got a lot happening there, and it, it needs to come through because, obviously... We don't want a situation where teams cannot be competitive and hold their own, and you heard that from Zebra today. So it's very much in the forefront of our minds, but it's also not in isolation because um, Italy is a senior member of the Six Nations. Uh, and 
you know, they have a, a position in world rugby, which they're very proud of, and and they have a position in Pro 12, which um, which again is they're one of our stakeholders. So, you know, we um, we follow through with that. We have to be very consistent. Um, but I said the standards are going up everywhere, and everyone must follow. Simon, we look forward to seeing you in Galway, maybe for the Wasps match. Might talk to you then. I'm looking forward to the visit. Thank you. Thank you. Toulouse come next week, Saturday. They dominated us the last two times they were here. Physically, anyways. Yeah, they did. I, I don't think they're they're quite the side they were. It's they're French. You can never predict how they're going to how they're going to approach a game, whether they're going to turn up with a plan or just run out in the pitch and see what happens. Uh, it's a slightly odd group because everybody is going to be setting up to try to beat Zebra home and away and get your bonus points or so ten points, uh, which makes it extra competitive in some ways. But after tonight, if we can play like tonight then we will give them one hell of a game and I, I think we could come out on the right side of it I think they have one of the most this is this is it's flip sides of the same coin you could argue they have the most experienced pack going that they're grizzled and there is nothing they haven't seen before or you could argue that they're just gone off over the hill I mean they have a very I mean you, that pack that front five in fact the entire squad is frightening but they're guys who you would think their better days may have may have passed but you still know that that still doesn't mean to say that they're they're gone, they're finished and they're done. They still they know how to win games. If it, it, I mean, again, it's it, it, you can make arguments for both sides. Are they over the hill or do they know how to win games? Are they grizzled or are they just are they just being there because they can't get any young kids through? I don't know. We won't know until. I think William's entirely right. We won't know. I tell you, you'll know when they come off the bus because when they came here the first time, they walked in from from uh, college from College Road and they were so focused and you will know if they do that next week they are here to win And we won't, but we literally won't know until they get off the bus best pre-game warm up in the history of the sports ground they did that day and that was uh, seven days on from losing to us in Toulouse <laughs> yeah mid-table French team haven't won away from home this year have let in 135 points so far in seven games so yeah they're there for the taking that's confidence and genuine not just anyways not yeah and I'd just like to see if they've moved on from the French rugby that they're playing at the minute where it's just a big heavy pack when we're around the place because if we shift them around the pitch I think they'll they'll struggle they'll be blowing out their arses after 15-20 minutes if we do it right Yeah, just got the feeling Pat Lamb's been watching him he expects him to be very strong big big men so maybe I don't know he definitely didn't say this but maybe he believes that's going to be one of the areas we can get them I think Toulouse are going to come to win it's the first it's the opening game of the championship and you don't go to the opening game of the championship not wanting to win it so I think it's going to be one hell of a game it's going to be one hell of an atmosphere and I think that there are areas in Connett's game possibly up, I, I know it's going to be difficult up, up, up front but I think there are areas to Connett's game that we can exploit and I would hope that we can score a few tries and get the home crowd behind us and uh, what take it from there Alright, last question to, to, to you or it'll start with Dave anyways it does feel like a huge opportunity in this group to get them at home first mm. and with Zebra to come and off the back of 10 points all of a sudden everything looks so much better Oh yeah, I mean, let, let, I mean, it's it, it could go. Next week sets the tone. Next week you get if you do win and you get five points, it sets up nicely going away to Zebra, and they will have learned an awful lot of lessons from the from the uh, from the halftime exhibition game that, that they had out there a few weeks back. But again, you go into you you don't get the five points here. Suddenly you're on the back foot immediately. And remember, whilst we're playing, well, we're playing. Uh, 
Toulouse was playing Zebra in Coventry so they could already have racked up a big score and you just it, I really again I think performance will lead to points but I do think you need we, if we win here next week that's great that's perfect if we win here with five points next week I think that is a much bigger thing alright Dave's going for five why not yeah well, well, if. <laughs> I didn't say we would I said if um, yeah I, 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 I'd be quite happy with a, with a, with a one point win um um, yeah, look, it's European rugby. It, it'll have a different feel to it, um, different atmosphere. Different we'll have that music. And yes, stuff. we'll have the <laughs> famous music uh, <laughs> played at a deafening volume, no doubt. Um, I love that piece of music. Yeah, I don't know if I was critiquing it. I was just saying it was going to be there. Well, we, we heard we heard a lot of it in Dublin on uh, yeah. Wednesday morning, about fifteen minutes of it, <laughs> just to get us ready to do our our thing. I was off in the doll campaigning for small shops. That was he, some real work. He was he was he was wearing a suit and tie. Actually, I have to say he was he was looking very uh, very uh, dapper. Was, uh, yeah, was. Captain Craggy? Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I, it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be different. And yeah, why not? Come on, okay. Come on k- keep it going. Kick it on. Let's go. Before we get to any other business, hugely important thing to mention: Revive Active are sponsoring our massive show on Thursday, um, which is going out in Goy Bay FM at six o'clock. And you've got to have a listen to it. It is our 50 minute long 2015 2016 season roundup. All of your voices are going to be on it. And lots, lots more. The story of the year, Emmett McNamara in the background. Let's try that and say that again. Emmett McNamara in the background has done a stunning job. A bit more work for us to do over the weekend just to tidy up the edges and we'll have a piece. Big yeah. thanks to Revive Active. Galway Company doing great work and they're backing us. And it's fantastic. If anyone has any trouble with it, with, with sort of energy levels or whatever, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I feel like a 30-year-old when I get back on that stuff. I let it go for the summer and I'm back on it now for about a month and a half and I'm flying again. It's great stuff, I have to say. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, but yeah, looking forward to, to listening to that. I've been sort of helping along with cutting out the bits and pieces that we needed to and having to listen to all the podcasts for last season was a bit of a draw no it was great I loved it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it should be good it should be cracker it's a huge effort because we had about 30 hours of audio from all our podcasts I had to cut it all down then we had cut some uh, uh, commentaries and everything hopefully it retell this story uh, in a different way yeah absolutely because that's, uh, because of the start to this season I think last season's got a little bit lost I know the players want to move on and we all have to move on but it was still one hell of an achievement uh, that achievement being champions of the Pro 12 yeah champions of Pro 12 you can't exactly uh, it starts early on Dave with you telling us you have to aim to win this competition I think that was week one four, was no, game no, four week two and yeah after the guys game we were like yeah, so what you reckon is top six you were like top six you start off by trying to win it yeah and was I wrong no <laughs> it really annoys us that's why I'm bringing it up and that's why it ends up in the podcast alright and the radio show it's live it's going to be on Galway Bay FM over the line Thursday at 6 o'clock in association with Revive Active and yes we're doing a little bit of plug-in but hey they're a first ever sponsor and we really appreciate their backing Absolutely. welcome back Alan's just telling me we've got a tweet about the goalposts they're still not painted I think what we should do who's free on Tuesday ladders and paint okay uh, we're back and we need to talk about Toulouse but before we do that there's a little bit of any other business start with you Dave Nathan White retired last week officially well if anybody there's a really lovely piece that Tina G did with Nathan it was in the build up to this game it's a lovely lovely piece it's four or five minutes long it's on Vimeo it's not on YouTube but I'm assuming I'm going to I'm sure somebody will put it up it tw- look on to Tina G's Twitter feed it's uh, Tina G Carr sorry 
TG Carr's Twitter feed. It's a lovely, lovely piece. It's beautifully done. It's really, really. It, it's 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 poignant. It's very, very poignant. And it's, it was lovely. And I think I think I recommend if you're a car fan, you've got you've got any interest in car rugby, just go on that. It's a really nice piece. And you can actually, even though it's not it's not immediately obvious, it, you can see how much being here has meant to Nathan and how much having to retire has meant to Nathan. And yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it, but you really do go on and watch it. He played a key role in last season's great run. Didn't get his chance to uh, be on the field toward, uh, at the end, unfortunately. But uh, hero. And I, I, the best thing I can say about him is I throughout his whole career in Connacht, I always wondered how did Leinster let this guy go. Um, how they let him go I think how did he came to Connacht um, and I actually remember talking to Tim Allnutt at the time um, and when he, he they were getting Nathan White in and he said he basically said he's going to fit right in here he's a he's a he's a good Kiwi bloke basically and I think when you just need to look at Nathan he you know he's he's from a, a country part of New Zealand he's he's not a city slicker um, he's a down to earth bloke and he, you know, he was just a hard-working, a hard-working, you know, New Zealander who came here, did his job, and didn't look for plaudits, um, just wanted to contribute. And I think he, he has contributed a lot to this to this team over the last four years. Okay, and we've lost another Kiwi, Dave Ellis. Yeah, a background man uh, who. I've only ever said hello to in passing a couple of times, mostly abroad, who seemed to be very well, we know was well regarded by the players. Uh, Dave Heffernan mentioned him in the interview that you heard earlier, folks. William won't have heard that, but it just it's it's poignant that Heffernan talked when I talked to him about how he trusts his skills and how he uses the fact that he's such a dynamic player and he says, Yeah, I work closely with Dave Ellis and I just thought to myself, God, weak that's in it. Well, I think I think every player that you would ask would would say that he yes, seems to have had a, made a, a a marked improvement on everybody that he came across. The term uh, skills is is a little a little bit hard to to tie down exactly what it meant, and even when it was explained, it still sometimes seemed a little bit vague. But did a fantastic job, and is off now to is heading back home we'll, to the Oakland Blues, and uh, we wish him well. Nile and then Alan Andre uh, Bell as well is gone so with, with all that in mind there are guys to replace now and you don't you don't want to get those decisions wrong no that's for sure um, there were two there were two massive coups I think we missed Bell early on in this season mm. uh, pre-season shambles notwithstanding but um, no but uh, the, the replacing them um, yeah. but I think that needs to be IRFU's uh, priorities for all the provinces right all the provinces like not all the provinces the, uh, it looks to me that they cut from the budget a little bit to they rob Peter to pay Paul you know as in they might get a different type of coach in instead of but they should have full coaching teams for all the provinces and there if you should should stump up for that they do for everything else uh, you know but this shouldn't come out of a province's budget in my opinion and they, they should just yeah. because they will reap the benefit of it it's not just it's not just having coaches here, there, or anywhere. If you, they have a full team of coaches in every province, well, then Ireland itself, the Irish team, will benefit from that. I think we've already built um, replacement in Nigel Carroll and sitting in the wings, looking after the academy. Most of the kids will have worked through him anyway, and he's hugely has always, always, always been about skills. I think it's kind of irrelevant in the sense that you just need to replace someone like Dave Ellis, and it will be, and I believe it will be difficult because I don't think you can actually underestimate the work that Dave Ellis has done individually and collectively with those players I mean it's Dave Ellis who gets receives the schools programs every Sunday night from the players it's Dave Ellis who sets up 
how that skills programs are going to be implemented during the week, what pods are going to, who's going to go in what group. It's Dave Ellis who has done a lot of this individual work. And I know he's, look, he wants to go home to New Zealand. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very normal thing, you know, for most New Zealanders to want to go home to New Zealand at some stage. It's a pity that, um, you know, he's only going to see out half the season, but at least it's out there now. It's announced there is time to get somebody in. Yeah, that's a fair point. I don't care where the coaches come, so long as they're the best, where they come from, so long as they're the best coaches. Uh, in saying that, if Nigel Carolyn was the best skills coach, I wouldn't give him the job because he's the best academy manager in <laughs> yeah, the country. Right. So, totally agree uh, no, no, we don't need him as a skills guy. Be a step down. Uh, no, maybe he wants to, but yeah. he's um, he's utterly fantastic at that. I, yeah. you know, keep him there as long yeah, as you can. Gotcha. Fully agree. Absolutely. Okay. Any other business, anyone? Yeah, New Zealand. There are worse things in life that you could do as an international rugby player than disappear into a toilet with a lady, a consenting adult lady. It was silly. It was a little bit grubby, but in the great, in the great, in the great scheme of things, what is he talking about? I mean, maybe, maybe New Zealand needs to relax. I mean, Keith Murdoch is still on the run, having punched, uh, punched the security guard in 1974. I think Aaron Smith. Yes, oh, it was dumb. Is that what he was doing? <laughs> I'm not drawing diagrams, <laughs> but I just think. You know, it's a little bit grub, but I mean, in the great scheme of things, no one got hurt. Two consenting adults. Is this? Does he really need to be brought onto TV and, and made cry in front of the national cameras? Was he? Yeah. I've stayed away from the media this week for obvious reasons, and if you need to refer to that, it's probably being cut out of the podcast because we're not talking about the New Zealand me- media. We've got a bigger Just issue. Just in case they're talking about Mayo, you never know. Anyway, any other business? Yeah. The sound system again. The guys. The, the, we got a tweet from Connemara Bob who said I, I tweeted out at half time fan any earmuffs in here because the sound is so loud we can't do our podcast apart from Martin else when we're waiting for the guys because they're, they're, they, I think they shout into the microphones and have it turned up really loud and Connemara Bob tweeted back saying yeah we can hardly hear the analysis that's going on at half time here <laughs> <laughs> which is reason enough anyone else anything else I want to say no I didn't